Our second lesson comes from the book of Philippians, and I don't need to give you any background because Dr. Tara read it to you, so we're ready to go. Listen for a word from God from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, and taking the form of a slain, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him, and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, just as you always have obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you are a God who is always with us, holding us and giving us strength. We pray this all in your name. Amen. This relationship that the Apostle Paul has with the Church of Philippi is something special. The book of Philippians, possibly more than any other book or letter in the New Testament, is one of love and encouragement. Oftentimes in the New Testament, the letters are filled with a correction that needs to be made or some theological point that's being disputed. But in this book, we just see the love of Paul for his community. You can feel it while reading this book, the pleasure that comes from being part of a community. But that doesn't mean love comes without conviction. Have you ever been around someone that so deeply loves, that is so filled with grace and compassion, with everyone that they interact with, that you just feel that something in you needs to change also? For me, that was my great aunt. She was Aunt Judy, and we affectionately called her AJ. She was this incredible woman who lived a life of service, serving as a missionary nurse in Africa, and then continuing to care for whatever community she was a part of for the rest of her life until she passed away last year. AJ never married, and so she really became 
another grandmother to me and my brothers. And when you have three brothers, it's great to have another grandmother because you're constantly fighting for attention, which you equate with love. <laughs> AJ was always there at family gatherings, and though we were always rambunctious and fighting, she brought this presence into every room that she entered. She had this way of being that made us want to be better. I never remember a single word of discipline or really ever a word of no from her. But I knew that when I was in a room with her, I should stop flicking my brother's ear until he cried because that's not something AJ would want. Do you have these people in your life that you feel you want to imitate? These people who step out in faithfulness and just have this way of being about them? In this text, Paul is pointing us to the ultimate person we should imitate. The ultimate person who is filled with love and with grace, and that is Jesus Christ. He encourages the Philippian church and encourages them by letting them know they already have the same heart as Christ, the same mind as Christ, and now they are to go out and live that call, to emulate the actions and the presence of Jesus Christ in the world. Now, there are countless ways that we should emulate Christ, but the one that this passage is really hones in on is that of humility, the humility of Christ. The passage talks about Christ emptying himself, releasing the power and the privilege and the rights that he deserves to the fullest in order to enter into community with all of humanity, to be part of this incarnational community. Now, Christ fully deserved all of his rights and privileges, but he, he gave them up. And this is where the conviction of love comes in. What are the perceived privileges and rights in our lives that we hold on to that are hindering us from loving others, that are hindering us from bringing peace and shalom into the world. When we honestly look at ourselves, what in humility can be removed so that we can enter into community with humanity? What is pre preventing us from making the connection from our thoughts and our prayers to our actions in the world? Are we holding on to our perceived right to consume? To consume as much as we want because we've earned enough money to do so? That perceived right that I have earned all this money so I should buy as much as I can? Or maybe an act of love should be giving up some of that so that all families in the community have enough or even the next generations have enough resources to thrive. Or perhaps we have this perceived right to buy a firearm exactly when we want it, instead of maybe a waiting period or a universal background check, in the hope that our communities can be more safe. What an act of love that could be. Or maybe your perceived right is the one that I struggle with all the time, and that is that my perceived right and privilege is that all my time belongs to me. All my time is mine. 
And so I deserve to have at least two hours a day where I do absolutely nothing but exactly what Brett wants to do. When instead, that time could be used to gather people, to serve on a board in the community, to reach out to someone who is lonely. What an act of love that might be. Or maybe it's our perceived right to spend as much time on our phone as we desire, checking in on the stories of others through social media and articles, instead of reaching out to other people, asking how they are, checking in, praying with them, hearing the stories within our own community. To love is to give something up. It's to sacrifice, to be willing to have less of yourself so that others may flourish. Every relationship we enter into with our parents, with our children, with our uncles, with our aunts, with our friends, with our local communities, to love is to enter with humility and being willing to give up a part of ourselves so that the whole may flourish. And maybe, like me, you are terrified to enter into this because you're terrified at what you might be called to give up. Terrified that as you seek within your heart, as you search how you can be more loving in the world, as you search within yourself through prayer and decision or uh, discretion about what you might be more humble, how you might care for the world, how you might remove some of the pride so that the kingdom of God can flourish. When you do that, and here is the good news, when you, when you do that, even if you're afraid, the good news is that you will inevitably fail. You'll fall short. You'll forget. You'll get busy. You'll mess up. You'll fail over and over again as you seek out to be humble in the world. I literally, while I was writing this sermon, as I was immersed in the text of humility, I, had this, I felt this call to reach out to someone just this weekend, to call out, to reach out and see how they were, to invite them over. And I literally thought, nah, I'm going to watch four new episodes of Stranger Things because that just came out instead. <laughs> but here's the good news. Here's the real good news. That when we fail, when we miss the mark, we don't need to meet ourselves with guilt or frustration or anger because those things lead us to paralysis, to give up. Instead, we come back to the person of Christ, that wellspring of grace that never runs dry, so we can be renewed, so we can confess, be healed, taste love, and go out in the world and try again. I have another week to reach out to that person in love and humility. Christ gives us the power and the redemption to continue working in the world. So church, let us be imitators of Christ, seeking to make ourselves less so that love and God can flourish in the world. May we be more humble, looking at what privileges and perceived rights we can give up so others might know love. You know, the word Paul uses that's translated as humility was not the same thing that we think of as humility in Greek culture. Humility in our culture is something we really revere. It is a virtue. But in Greek culture, it was a servility. It had a sort of cringy submissiveness to it. 
But Paul still uses it because he's connecting humility to the story of Scripture. All throughout the Old Testament, the story of Israel, there is an attitude and a proof and stories over and over again that when you are humbled by God, when you're brought low, when you're humble in your actions, you get to see God's work in the world. You get to see God's salvation being worked out in ways over and over and over again. So let us be convicted. Let us be humbled. And let us go out into the world and put ourselves in positions to see the beautiful, redeeming, life-giving work that God is already doing. God is already making and remaking cultivating and growing grace and mercy throughout the earth. And we have the incredible privilege to be a part of that. Thanks be to God.